Okay, guys. So, first off, first off, you know, I got to start off with a little bit of an intro. You know, the podcast is going way up. I don't, I'm, st- I'm still not into the screaming shit right now. Not in the mood, especially not in the mood for it today. But, um, oh yeah, by the way, you guys already know, it's Jelani Smith, age 20, communications major out of South Suburban College. I am the co-host of Sideline Saturdays. You guys are looking at the 12th episode, and this one's going to be probably the shortest episode that we've made so far. And I wanted to just dabble into something that happened yesterday that was one of the greatest accomplishments a basketball player could ever accomplish. But uh, the talk behind it and how people are conversing with each other in terms of how to assess basketball players. And you guys should already know what what I'm talking about. Yesterday, and it's a big, 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 100% big, biggest as you, as you can possibly get. Congratulations to LeBron James for passing LeBron, passing Kobe Bryant on the all-time scoring list. He is now third all-time in total points scored in the NBA. Big, big, big congratulations to LeBron James. That is a huge accomplishment that literally, like I said, less than, less than half a percent of the world will ever be able to accomplish or even be able to see to score 30,000 points, let alone... 33,000 plus, that's amazing for LeBron James considering the amount of talent that he has on the basketball court. Everybody knows with his ability to play all around and have the vision that he has. And so to see his scoring production be that high for so many years and playing at the level that he's playing at, it is truly 100% something that um, very, a very, 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 like the smallest circle you can possibly, like I think of a, think of a motherfucking dot. Like that's the type of circle he's sitting in in terms of players that have played at this level at his age or near this level at his age and have been able to do what he does, uh, do what he's done for the game of basketball. But I take issue to fans. I won't call them casuals. I will give them more respect than calling them casuals. Fans, experts, you know what I talk about, the quote unquote experts who are, who have been saying for some time now, and now they're really getting bold these days. They're talking about how, or ever since yesterday, they've been getting real bold about LeBron is way better than Kobe, and it's not even close. It was never close. LeBron's been the best player in basketball since 2003, you know, type shit going on. And I don't want to call myself a Kobe fan or a Kobe stan, but there is a certain level of ignorance that's being put into this conversation. There's a certain level of, of... not knowing that's being put into this conversation between Kobe and LeBron and any player that you assess, you know, LeBron and MJ or LeBron and KD or Kobe and MJ. There's a certain level of ignorance that's brought to these conversations that needs to stop. It has to stop. And it's getting out of hand, especially with this one that I've seen now. Now that I have Twitter, I haven't seen it for years because normally I'm not on social media. But now that we have Twitter for Sideline Saturdays and I'm seeing all these comments that people are saying about LeBron and Kobe, it's driving me nuts. And if I have any sort of platform to be able to speak on it, I'm going to use Sideline Saturdays to speak on it. So this will probably be the shortest episode we have ever done because I only want to cover Kobe and LeBron and I want to be done. I got other shit to do, <laughs> but but I want to dabble into this as much as possible. Dig dig into why I think this is a this is a much more nuanced argument than people are trying to make it seem. Like I think people are just trying to pull numbers out their ass and use that in order to assess a player's ability. And to be honest with you, that's doing a disservice to the game a very big disservice to the game. And I think experts and analysts are doing a very big disservice to the game when they just pull up stats on their screen and expect people to be able to know what a basketball player truly was, what type of skill set he had, and what he brought to the game by simply pulling numbers. 
I want to get into that, but first, I need a break. I need some music to be put on for this shit, so stay tuned. Sideline Saturdays, I'm going to be digging into Kobe Bryant and LeBron James. Numbers, stats, all that different stuff. Stay tuned. Um, we are back on the sideline, sideline Saturdays. I'm coming to you guys today with the Kobe and LeBron debate. Although I don't necessarily, I'm never, I'm not going to compare Kobe to LeBron. I don't really like comparing players on this game. Or I mean, I don't do the whole comparing the players. I don't like to do that. That's not really how I, it's not really how I like to assess basketball. I don't think it's a very good thing to do. What I want to do is just kind of give a little bit of context behind what people do here's what i want to say first off the reason that i started this the the thing that triggered me to want to do this little podcast right now on short notice is nick wright who was an an analyst for first things first a morning show for sports and they talk about basketball and they talk about football mainly a little bit of some politically charged stuff as well from the uh, sports world and their show all respect to their show give all it's a good show very nice show but I was on Twitter today and I'm going through and somebody had retweeted. I don't remember who, but somebody retweeted um, that Nick Wright had said, now that LeBron has passed Kobe for third all time on the scoring list, LeBron has LeBron is better in these statistical categories. And it was points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, you know, da, 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 things like that. And I kind of just shook my head and I was sitting there like, oh my God, like it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. I can already see it happening. First off, Kobe didn't, (laughs) why are people disrespecting Kobe on a day where Kobe doesn't want anything other than to appreciate what LeBron has done in his career? That's number one. You guys don't have to necessarily disrespect a guy like that. That's a little bogus. Number two, it's just, it's kind of gives, it kind of shows me where sports is in the world and especially basketball. Like I said, I think last time on my podcast or like in in the last, the recent podcast that I've just done by myself here. Basketball is a very, very nuanced, a very detailed game. And to simply back it with a number and with rings, which is a team accomplishment, that just does a disservice to the game of basketball. It does a disservice to basketball players. And it really does a disservice to ESPN analysts, FS1 analysts, analysts all across the world that try to cover sports, that try to cover basketball. An analyst or an expert is supposed to be able to provide insight into the game that other people can't see, that other people with less expertise, per se, does not understand or cannot, you know, comprehend, right? Or cannot um, fully, fully, fully get for themselves. To simply pull a number out and say that you're an expert or say that you're an analyst, like, I can look up a number. My sister can look up a number. My grandma can look up a number like that's not that's not expertise. That's not insight. That's not telling people how this sport should be judged, how basketball players should be judged. That's a disservice to the game. It's actually kind of disrespectful if you're really thinking about it. And of course, Kobe's not out on Twitter saying, well, trying to, you know, going at people saying you're wrong. You're wrong. You're this. You're that and the third. But really, I mean, I wouldn't blame him if he did, but he's being very gracious about it and he's not saying anything. I'm sure he doesn't look on his Twitter and his Instagram too much anyway, but not only what Nick Young, Nick, uh, I said Nick Young, Nick Wright was saying, but it was also the people under him who are the like wannabe Nick Wrights or the wannabe like Stephen A. Smiths and stuff like that who, who are just kind of saying things and kind of repeating what he's saying or pulling up a number and saying, well, this is the facts, guys. This is what it is. This is that. Basketball is a very, 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 very dynamic 
artistic kind of sport that cannot be judged through a number. And I'm going to kind of try to explain what I'm saying here. And hopefully it'll give you guys a little bit of clarity. Where do I start really with this? Let's start with stats. Start with stats. So everybody like likes to get into that now. LeBron has LeBron passed Kobe on the all-time scoring list. Here's the thing about stats. They're very, 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 very. I can't, I can't stress it enough. Stats are extremely circumstantial. Stats are not this thing that you could just take, throw it on people, and now they can't prove anything to you. That's not how that works. And it's the same thing goes for rings too. Rings are a team accomplishment. That's what rings are. It's a team accomplishment. So to assess another player's ability over another by the use of straight numbers and rings, which are a team accomplishment, and like I said, numbers that are very circumstantial, it's a little sad. I'm not gonna tell you, it's a little sad. That's not how it's supposed to work. So the people who are saying, well, LeBron's stats are way better than Kobe's, you're wrong. But the people who are saying, well, Kobe has more rings than LeBron, you're also wrong. That's a simple fact. You're also wrong. Both of y'all sides are wrong. Five and two compared to three and six. That's who the better player is. When you understand that Kobe was playing with other players and LeBron was playing with other players. But back to my little stats argument. When LeBron first came into the league in 2003, he was the king, right? Already crowned the king at just 18 years old. 16 years old, he was on Sports Illustrated. Everybody knows kind of the story of LeBron and how he you know, grew up in Akron and has ascended to be LeBron that he is today, right? And the minute that he got on the Cavaliers, for people who do not know, the ball was given to him and it was his show. From the moment he got in, basically, from the moment he got in, he was allowed to make mistakes. He was allowed to learn every single day, get game repetitions in, passing the ball on certain angles, reading the defenses, knowing how to pick his spots from day one. And by his second year, because LeBron has one of the greatest basketball minds anybody's ever you know, been able to witness, and his ability to process movement, his ability to read defenses, his ability to know where he can get his shot off at, where his teammates are best positioned at, he was able to quickly, quickly figure out how things work. Plus, he knew his role. The role for him was he was the main source of offense for that team, meaning he was the creator of all those things that were going on, and he was like their main shot maker. So when you have a young player who's in that role, he's going to be able to be in a better position to score points down the line because the ball is put in his hand from day one. Kobe Bryant came in, number 13 overall draft pick, and didn't have those same, like, didn't have those same liberties. He didn't have that same privilege that LeBron had. So ultimately, that's going to take away from the amount of points that Kobe's going to be able to score throughout his career. He wasn't able to come in a position when he was 18 years old and just have the ball in his hand from day one and learn and be able to read defenses at the NBA level. That wasn't his story. It took him two or three years before the Lakers started giving him the minutes that he later got on down his career. And even then, LeBron came into a situation where he was expected to, like I said, do kind of, be kind of the offense, be the creation source for that offense. Whereas Kobe Bryant was looking at a situation where he was sharing shots with other, with another superstar, the most dominant force to have ever played the game possibly in Shaq. LeBron, in his entire time in Cleveland, his first stint, never had to deal with that. He never had to look at somebody else and say, oh yeah, well, I, I gotta make sure that I like feed him. I gotta make sure that he gets fed because he's also trying to put up 25, 27, 28, 29, 30 points like I am. He never had to do that. And of course, Kobe was a little bit, doesn't have the same vision that LeBron James does. We can all agree on that. I'm not gonna sit here and try to debate with you that LeBron isn't, you know, to me, a better passer than Kobe Bryant. I'm not trying to debate that at all. But when you're talking about total points scored, 
or rebounds, steals, it's all those different things. When you are the main source of a team, completely, you know what I'm saying? And not to down the Cleveland Cavaliers roster, but that's really what it was at the time. That's really what it was compared to Kobe Bryant, who had to share a lot with the rest of those guys on that team. Of course, LeBron did share too, but not to the extent that Kobe had to with, Co with Shaq also being on that team. And a lot of people say that Shaq was responsible for those that three-peat that happened in the Lakers, which is which is false, that's dumb. But that's the, that's the mark that people put on Kobe Bryant, that he was a non-factor, he wasn't that big of a deal that Shaq carried him in this, that, or the third. Well, if that's the case, then you can use that as an argument for why Kobe Bryant didn't necessarily have the same, because he didn't get the offense put on his shoulders the way that LeBron does. That ultimately is how you can make stats circumstantial. That's how stats are circumstantial in a, in a situation like that. Now, had Kobe Bryant come into the league, he was the number one overall pick by the Cleveland Cavaliers and given the ball on day one, you might be looking at an entirely different story. You'd be looking at more points for Kobe Bryant. And Kobe Bryant didn't get the same autonomy, meaning he didn't get the same amount of um, ability to do what he wanted to on offense until Shaq left. Think about that, until Shaq left. That wasn't until 2004. 2004. So you're talking about six, seven years into Kobe Bryant's career, and he doesn't get the same full autonomy, the same full control of the offense that LeBron has. That's just a matter of fact. That takes away from assists. That takes away from points. That takes away from rebounds. That takes away from steals. That takes away from all of it. All of it. Entirely. All the stats. Win share. Every single field goal percentage. Everything. It pop, everything that's pop, It could make it a little bit different. Just off of something like that. And I'll give another example of circumstantial stats. Steve Nash. Or circumstantial like just somebody's image, somebody's value being able to change because they play on a different team or in a different situation. Different teammates, different coaches, different system, different responsibilities. That's what my that's what my whole point is on stats being circumstantial. But Steve Nash, if everybody remembers, excellent player for the Dallas Mavericks. Nobody's going to dispute that. But his value and his image changed as a player when he went to Phoenix. Dallas Mavericks had Michael Finley, Dirk Nowitzki, Nick Van, you know, they had a team together. But once he got in a system with Mike D'Antoni, who was an offensive, he's considered an offensive progressive, very offensive minded, with Sean Marion, Amari Stoudemire, Joe Johns, Quinn Rich, you know, guys like that, all of a sudden you've seen the value of Steve Nash and his passing ability and his ability to get shots off for other people and his ability to shoot off the dribble. That's him going to a different system, upping his numbers and being able to win two MVPs. The system that you run, the players that are around you, and the, co and the coach, everything has an effect on stats. They have an effect on a player's value. Think about Jason Kidd. When Jason Kidd was in Phoenix and in Dallas, excellent transcendent passer, everybody knew that. He had a gift for passing. I remember reading a scouting report that even said, Jason Kidd, when he was, a draft scouting report that came out that Jason Kidd might be a better passer than Magic Johnson is as a rookie. That's how good of a passer Jason Kidd is, how good he is at finding people. But it wasn't until he got to New Jersey and he got around Kerry Kittles, Kenyon Martin, Richard Jefferson, and the whole nine, all those guys on the floor that you got to see his value. And then people were all of a sudden saying, man, Jason Kidd, he led the Nets to the, to the NBA Finals two years in a row. That's because the system changed. The teammates around him were different. The coach, the way he interacted with all his, it was all different and it was the right situation for him and he was able to show exactly what he could do. And things changed for him, his value changed for him. Then Vince Carter comes around, they dominate even more and they dominate more in the East for years to come. James Harden. When he played under Kevin McHale, over 25 points a game. 
great player. Nobody could dispute that. One of the best offensive players the game had seen even at that time before Mike D'Antoni came. But once Mike D'Antoni did come and the offense became more suitable for him and the ball was in his hand even more and there were more shooters and the roster was a little bit different and more suited towards him, his numbers started to skyrocket to the point where now he's either MVP or he's runner up for MVP every single year with a super high usage rate, all because partially because of Mike D'Antoni's system compared to Kevin McHale's system of offense being run. That's what I mean when I say stats are circumstantial. And so now when you look at James Harden's stats, you're like, holy shit, holy shit. Like this dude, 37 points a game, 36 points per game last year. When Mike D'Antoni gave him the ball initially and said, go ahead and go, he led the league in assists, which wouldn't have happened under Kevin McHale because the responsibilities for him were different. They were less hefty. Once Mike D'Antoni came around, he said he gave the ball to James, said, it's your show, my guy. It's really your show. Even more of your show than it was when Kevin McHale was here. That's a circumstance. Those are circumstantial stats. That's what I'm talking about, guys. So when people say, when people bring up all these stats with LeBron and Kobe and say he's better at this, he's better than that, understand that it's not just you that is able to create those stats. The coaching staff is what helps create those stats. The team that you're playing on helps create those stats. So when we're assessing a player's ability, how should we assess a player's ability? It shouldn't be through rings, because as I said before, that is a very, very flawed... Who wins championships, guys? Teams. Teams win championships. If everybody thinks about it and says, well, LeBron won them that championship in Cleveland. Well, if Kyrie Irving isn't there and putting pressure, putting extra pressure on the defense, hitting shots down the stretch, doesn't score 41 in Game 5, doesn't hit that big shot in Golden State, and, doesn't become, and isn't a scoring threat, then they don't win that championship. And that's just reality, guys. If Shaq doesn't have Kobe right next to him, putting pressure on the defense constantly all game, being in attack mode all game, hitting tough shots when they had when they had no other play on the perimeter who can hit that shot, humbling defenses, demoralizing defenses, then the Lakers don't three-peat. That's just a simple fact of it. And it's, a, it's it can go for any one of those players. Everybody has to play their role on the team in order for a team to win. Everybody has to star in their role in order to win championships. This is not one-man army show. This is not this is not baseball. This is this is not this is not baseball, guys. We can't just look at numbers and be like, yeah, that's the best player in baseball. That's the best player in basketball. We can't do that. That's not how that works. And that's just being disrespectful to the game. And ultimately, analysts, that's not that's not the correct way to tell people how basketball works. You know what I'm saying? But back to what I was saying, how should we assess a player? We need to assess a player more. Of course, stats are important. Like stat, like especially basic ones. Like you know what I'm saying? Like especially like basic little stuff that goes on. Like is LeBron James a better overall basketball player than you know Robert Ory? Or you know what I mean? No disrespect to Robert Ory, seven championships, the seven championships. But we basic stuff like. But when you're talking about LeBron, Kobe, it's not as simple as stats. Oh yeah, it favors LeBron, so he must be a better player. We have to start using more of our eyes to understand a player, to understand how they affect games, impact a team, and how then we can assess and evaluate a player. We have to look at like eye test factors, creating shots, plays, degree of difficulty on these shots, offensive versatility, demoralizing defenses, humbling defenders, striking fear, vision, playmaking, ability to create, you know, different things like that. But it has to be more along the lines of what you are seeing out there on the basketball court. Let me give you guys something that needs to be understood. And this is why I say people that haven't played basketball or, or really tried to perfect their craft of basketball, don't they, don't they don't really get it from a certain perspective. When you play basketball and you 
and you're trying to be great. It's not just about what, it, a lot of it has to do, how do I, it's hard to explain, but it's something that's there. The more hours you put into the gym, working on your skills, the better that you are. But under a certain system, not all of those things can be displayed, if that makes sense. But there are certain little things that happen within a game. Like the way that Kobe Bryant would hit super, super difficult shots that literally only him and like another person could probably make. Like that type of stuff right there. And people will sit back and be like, well, Kobe just takes stupid shots and he was lucky enough to. No, that's skill. That's a crazy amount of skill. That's a crazy amount of hard work being put in for somebody to be able to hit some of the shots. Like when that shot, when he had that 65 point a game, five point game against Portland and he turned around, spun around on like one fucking foot, two defenders in his face, trying their hardest to defend, trying their hardest to stop him from making the shot. And he fades away, corner three pointer and hits it. That type of stuff. And people will knock that off and say like, nah, that ain't, that's just, that's just, that's just, he got lucky. That's dumb. No, 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 no. That is a crazy amount of concentration. That's a crazy amount of focus and shot making ability that very, very, very few players have ever, ever, ever. I guess one of the best ways I can explain it is with Giannis and, or I should say the Bucks and the Raptors last year. And like I said, Giannis Antetokounmpo, I said this earlier, I think I said it in my first podcast when I was telling you guys who my top five players in the NBA are. Giannis Antetokounmpo is literally Will Chamberlain. Like, I think that's, I think he's literally like, Will, if Will Chamberlain was transported now, it'd probably be Giannis Antetokounmpo. Bigger, faster, stronger, longer, taller, jumps higher than everybody else on the basketball court. That was Will Chamberlain back in the 60s, 70s. I feel like that's Giannis Antetokounmpo now. Like, he's the closest thing to what Will Chamberlain might have been. Like, you know what I'm saying? In terms of dominance in the paint and just his overall athleticism and physical tools. So I don't want to, I don't want to like make it seem as though I'm, I'm downing him at all. But in that series, the Raptors had a great defensive strategy. They built walls around. They built walls around these long defenders: Danny Green, Pascal Siakam, OG and well, OG and Obi didn't play in that series. Kawhi Leonard, Marcus All, Serge Ibaka, all those big guys who are athletic and can move very, very well. They were building walls around Giannis, and now he can't get to the rim as much as he likes. They're double teaming him in the post, and people know Giannis Antetokounmpo isn't always the be- isn't always the most accurate passer. They forced him into a lot of turnovers making a lot of mistakes where guys weren't in position to to catch the ball he was throwing it over their head or it was too low things like that and once they did that once the raptors did that and executed that to a t that's when you assess a player for real that's when you really that's when people should start assessing players for real because when then when it was asked for Giannis to create a shot of his own use a little bit of your shake and bake use a little bit of your post moves use a little bit of this and that to try to get a shot off and keep your team in the game keep your team's momentum on their side he wasn't able to do it and the other players on the bucks were not able to hit shots either that's what it comes down to when you're facing defensive heavyweights when you're facing overall heavyweights in the league if you are not able to create your own shot and get something going for your team in certain situations or be able to create one like not even you just passing one or shooting one yourself then ultimately you're not going to win and with the raptors Kawhi Leonard can create shots out of thin air. We've all seen it, how good he is in the po- uh, in the mid-range of creating shots. Kyle Lowry can create shots out of thin air. 
these guys are the ones that's how you sh that's how people should start assessing basketball players a little bit more because that's the reason the Raptors were able to win four straight against the Bucks last year it was not because just because Giannis all of a sudden just flopped and could it's because they cut off every one of his things and now we're asking you to go one-on-one -on -one with guys and it didn't work and none of the Bucks other Bucks players can do it and on the Raptors side they had Kawhi Leonard right there that's what made a difference and Kyle Lowry and Pat you know what I'm saying Fred Van Vliet consistently hit shots creating himself or off the dribble or from a triple threat but you guys get what I'm saying and the Spurs did that against LeBron when they played the Cleveland Cap they built walls around him now you can't just jump over us you cannot just get around us you cannot just you know muscle your way through us so try to create a shot and LeBron was not able to do it of course none of the Cavaliers players were able to really do it either they ended up getting swept in that series but that's what I'm really talking about and Kobe Kobe thrives in those situations when the walls are built around him it's even worse because now he's going one-on-one -on -one and that's his game that's the game right there guys that's part of the game that's part of the nuance that's part of the detail because he can create shots for himself hit them he demoralizes defenses to a point where it's like what are we going to do with him there's nothing you can do at that point if he's going to hit tough shots like that there is absolutely nothing when he scored 62 and three quarters against the mavericks when he scored 65 against portland when he scored 81 against the Raptors when he scored 56 and three quarters against the Grizzlies 45 against the Rockets when he was young it wasn't that they weren't defending him it was just like what are we going to do because it, and guys pay attention to this when you're watching a game I was telling my friend about this the other day don't watch the offensive player when they're shooting the ball watch the defensive players <laughs> look at how hard they're trying to guard him look at how hard they're trying to get a hand in front of his face look at what watch MJ you can say the same thing for LeBron absolutely Watch MJ, watch Kobe, watch Kevin Durant. Look at how hard some of these guys are trying to defend them. And they, they look unfazed and they hit the shot over two, three. One of the hardest perimeter defenders, whoever the best perimeter defender on the other team is. Those are some of the things that make or break a team. And that's why I sit here and say, y'all can sit here all y'all want. Plus, Kobe ain't no slouch passing the ball either or rebounding the ball. And he's one of the greatest perimeter defenders the game has ever seen. Go check his first team all defensive or go check any videotape if you think I'm lying those things matter that's the game right there that's the game and that's hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of repetition repetition is the mother of skill that's what everybody says those are the things that people don't really pay attention to necessarily that really matter in the game and it's more than just telling Giannis to well just step up and shoot a three three ball no try to create your own shot when they cut off all your all your options that type of thing that's what needs to be talked about a little bit more in basketball that's eye test that's not just looking at a box score and thinking oh yeah well whatever or looking at a few highlights on YouTube of whatever this best players um highlights where some of his best plays in his career was and thinking oh yeah he's amazing yeah blah 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 yeah he's better than this guy for sure i'm looking at it on the highlights that that's not always that's not really that's not basketball that's not being able to tell somebody what basketball is really about let me try to give you guys another example of that like with Giannis and Kawhi. well i mean you can look at the 2013 2014 miami heat series against the spurs in the finals like i said another game built walls we're not going to let you just jump over us. We're not going to let you just run around us. You're not going to let you just bully us. So try to beat us from the perimeter, creating shots, because that is your last exploit right there. That is your last exploitation of us. It's like basic basketball. You and me one on one. Can you create a shot for your teammate or can you create one for yourself and be able to knock it down with the defender in your face? That's basketball, guys. And Kawhi was able to 
neutralized, did he completely stop rolling around? Absolutely not. That didn't happen. Can't do that. But he was able to neutralize him. Whereas I've seen Michael Jordan, when all options are cut off, Kobe, when all options are cut off, other players, when all options are cut off, they still hit the shot. That's called demoralizing a defense. That's called compl- making the defender shake his head like, what the fuck do I do now? Like, there's nothing we, what are we going to do? There's a certain level of skill. There's a certain level of feel. There's a certain level of instincts that's involved in those plays right there that make or break individual assessing of players. Not a damn stat. Not rings. That's the type of thing that I'm talking about right there. So when people tell people come up to me and say, well, LeBron's way better than Kobe. What, what is, what's your reasoning for that? Oh, well, you know, da, 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 you know, back in 2007, 2008, he did this and he did that. And I'll give you guys another, I'll give you guys another example of what I'm talking about. Circumstances. And I think I've given this example before, but I'm going to give this as my last example. And then I'm going to cut this shit off because I think I think I'm running out of ideas, <laughs> but Kobe Bryant and, and Tracy McGrady. And I always talk about this. I, this is always one of the first examples that I give for people in terms of circumstances. Tracy McGrady, in my opinion, was the equal of Kobe Bryant, pretty much, in a lot of ways. I mean, defense, he, of course, Kobe Bryant gave more intensity. But Tracy McGrady was about 6'9", 6'10", could shoot the ball, shoot the lights out, had a nasty handle on him, had a back-to-the-basket game, a low post game on him, where he can fade away from people and hit them in your mouth all the time. Had vision, too. He could really pass the ball. Nobody remembers that. But he could really, really pass the basketball. And the Magic, I think it was 2003, 2003, 2004. The Magic were the 8th seed. They played the Pistons, who everybody knows the Pistons were rock solid. You're talking about Rip Hamilton, Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, Chauncey Billups, Tayshaun Prince, all the all the nine, all them dudes. Bad boys right there, like real bad boys right there too. Not just the Detroit Pistons from the 88. They were bad. They were the original bad boys, but them dudes, they were bad too. And the Magic were up 3-1, surprisingly. And A about to be a one about to beat a one seed. They were up 3-1. They end up blowing the series. They end up blowing the series and they lose. Tracy McGrady did not have another shot creator on that team that could help him get out of trouble a lot of times. And Pistons packed down on defense. They were able to stop Tracy McGrady just enough to be able to hold him off. The, the Lakers, meanwhile. Kobe had been winning championships throughout that time period where, Matt, where Tracy McGrady had been dominating on the Magic and scoring points and putting up rebounds and assists and all those different things like that. Kobe finally, there is no Shaq. And the team is a little bit different compared to what it usually is. This is like the first, I'm not mistaken, like the second or first, first or second year after Shaq leaves. They're playing the Phoenix Suns, the Lakers. If I'm not mistaken, the Lakers are the seventh seed, the Suns are the two seed. The Lakers are up 3-1 in that series. And I think his the second best player on that team that year, Chris, they had Smush Parker, you know, Devin George maybe, like Chris, you know, guys like that. The Lakers are up 3-1 in that series. And they lose. They blow the lead. They lose, they lose again. Just like the Magic did against the Pistons with Tracy McGrady. And in that moment, I guess the, the, the saying would be now Trace, Kobe Bryant kind of feels what Tracy McGrady kind of felt at that time. And I don't want to dig in on their teammates and stuff like that. At the end of the day, they're NBA players. They're some of the best players in the world in terms of basketball. But that's what I'm talking about. That's circumstances. So what if Tracy McGrady had by chance been drafted by the Lakers? I don't know. Y'all tell me because apparently everybody can foreshadow stuff in here. But I mean, can our sidekicks in here, they know. 
that's that's it's literally that simple guys sometimes it's that simple it's just circumstances and give lebron credit because he did a lot for cleveland not only is his first stint, his second stint he did a lot in miami and he's doing a lot for the los angeles lakers right now but that's circumstances that's being able that's understanding different teammates different coaches different systems different teams that you are playing against defenses that are being thrown at you all types of different things like that that makes the difference and in high pressure situations <clears throat> can you come and can you come up big in those situations but that's the type of thing that i'm talking about guys that's that's the difference right there what if damon lillard would play it was playing on the cavaliers instead of kyrie irving what you know what i'm saying it's just different things like that it doesn't take away from what Kyrie Irving, because I think Kyrie Irving is the most skilled point guard in the NBA. At least one of them, one of one of the two, you know. But that's just what I'm talking about in terms of basketball circumstances. And then you guys, not just you guys, everybody, throwing numbers at my face and then telling me that I don't know what I'm talking about. That has to be more of the rhetoric. It's eye test, eye test, eye test. Not just eye test and looking at a game, but you have to know the details. You have to know what you're supposed to be looking for to be able to assess what a player does out there on the basketball career. That's why I don't like people who haven't played basketball trying to tell other people how to, that don't, that pe people that haven't played basketball trying to tell other people that haven't played basketball how basketball works. It's just, that doesn't, that's, that's not how things should, that's not what the world is. That's not how that should work. That is what the world is but that's not how the world should be in terms of basketball sports football sports i've heard a lot of people say that lebron is better than kobe but if you ask nba players people that have played against both of them a lot of them say kobe or they say who's tougher to guard kobe or lebron they'll say kobe or they'll say who's a better player kobe or lebron kobe and then everybody who, and then all the fans think well they're just hating they're just hating. They just don't like LeBron. They don't like the fact that LeBron beat him in the play or this, that. No, it's just if you're asking them their honest opinion, their unbiased opinion, they're giving you it. Trust them on that. You know, just trust them on that. Don't think that they're always trying to be biased. They're trying to give an opinion to you guys and try to tell you a little something and y'all just don't listen. And you say they don't know what they're talking about, even though they played against both. Even though they saw both of them, no scouting reports, watch film on them all the time. Some of them even closely defended them and no. It's different for everybody, but you've heard a lot of people say that. And everybody just ignores them and say, what? Well, they don't know what they're talking about. It's not like they played in the NBA or anything and played against both of them. That's the type of thing that I'm talking about. So hopefully, I gave you guys a little, little bit of a, little bit more insight into how these things kind of work instead of just everybody just throwing a little, throwing numbers at me and saying, and saying, and then thinking I don't know math or something like that, or thinking I ain't never played cool math games in my life or some shit. Mm -hmm. This is a game of nuance, this is a game of detail, it's a beautiful game, it's an artistic game, and it does not need to be clouded by advanced statistics, metrics, analytics, and numbers. Play the game, understand the game, understand what the top of their craft do in order to get there, and then you'll be able to better assess how basketball players should be evaluated. Check us out on Twitter, guys. Go follow us, follow us on Twitter if you want to get at me about this debate. It's an ongoing debate. It's not like all of a sudden I just dropped the mic and everything's ended. Check us out on Anchor Spotify. We're also on YouTube. It's Sideline Saturdays. Jelani Smith, 20 years old. Mass Communications major out of South Suburban College. You already know the name. We'll be back with you on another episode with you guys. See y'all later.